scuffling, and he is gone. And Birnbaum is hurt. Touchdown, Idaho. Birnbaum's down at the 33. His back or his neck, uh, but you can see pressure right up the middle. Kosi will come. Nofoinga comes up the middle, and there's just a big pressure that's put on by Maltosi, and then it's off to the races for Nofo. Huge turn of events. Cougars were looking like they were going to put it in the end zone or get three out of it. Touchdown like they did, Baylor did to UNLV. What an incredible finish to that football game a week ago. That'll be the final snap. Welcome back to the third installment of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. You guys know the drill. The, the Power Rankings are a compilation of votes from Big Sky Podcast Network contributors, people like uh, Mike Nugent, Grizz fan, the guys been together, Weber State Weekly, R&R CatCast. You guys are here. You know Tubbs at the Club already is one of, one of the main shows. But anyway, we have voters from Big Sky Podcast Network shows. We have beat reporters covering Big Sky teams and other guys real familiar with Big Sky. Votes are averaged out. That's your power rankings. In addition to the rundown of rankings this week, because out-of-conference play is essentially done, I'm going to be giving out-of-conference grades for each team. And look, I already went over the asterisk. There's three total OOC games left on the entire Big Sky schedule. That's Sacramento State next week. They, they travel to Colorado State on October 1st, Eastern Washington Funds the athletic department, losing to number 20 today, Florida. And on October 8th, Portland State plays. God knows whoever Lincoln is. They're not D1. They're not D2. But apparently they have a football team. Apparently there's a campus somewhere in Colorado. Their website looks like it's still under construction. But anyway, there's if there's three total OOC grades, games that have not been played yet, we're just going to give the grades. So that's it. That's how it starts. Because this show, even though it's a Big Sky Podcast Network show, it's being broadcast on Tubs of the Club. That means it's brought to us by Hughes River Expedition, which means it's around the bar, essentially. Brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Coming in at number 12, you knew they'd be here at some point, guys. Idaho State. Now, honestly, it took a few more weeks, in my mind, than it should have for Idaho State to land here. But like your, your Bengals are officially 0-3, which is exactly where everyone expected Idaho State to be. Final out-of-conference game, Idaho State has a chance uh, to do something that matters. They host, in, in Pocatello, Central Arkansas, a fellow 0-2 team at the time. Idaho State falls 31-16. to Bengals led 3-0 at the end of the first quarter, and then Central Arkansas reels off 14 points in the second, 14 points in the third. We've got 28, a run of 28 points. Bengals do put up a couple touchdowns at the end to make the game look kind of respectable-ish, but it was not, dude. This was this was a blowout. Hunter Hayes is the starting quarterback for Idaho State until further notice because Tyler Vanderwall is out with a broken collarbone in that same side he injured last year. Hunter Hayes has been mostly unimpressive as starting quarterback, and this week was uh, – well, let's just say he he played the part yet again. 25 of 36, 284 yards, two interceptions, zero touchdowns. Idaho State as a team, look, they, Charlie Regal wants to run the ball a bit. 
the team had a close to 50 50 run pass distribution 38 rushes 36 passes uh, on the ground a little more success than in previous weeks rushing 38 times for 124 total yards led again by uh, running back Raiden Hunter 16 rushes for 72 yards uh, but look overall the, the the tail of the tape here is actually a little bit confusing because of how this game was a blowout Idaho State gains 408 total yards so relatively close to the 418 they surrendered although keep in mind uh, for, the game was over heading into the fourth quarter where Idaho State got both of their touchdowns uh, turnovers were, of course, something Idaho State struggled with. They lose the turnover battle three to one. Uh, that's all we really have to talk about for this game, Idaho State. But on the season, Idaho State 0 and 3. Two, two of the losses are FBS losses at UNLV 52 21, at San Diego State 38 7. They have an FCS loss uh, now 31 16 for Central Arkansas. I don't know how to give a grade that is anything but an F for Idaho state because they're and three. They have the one game they probably, they needed to win in the out of conference central Arkansas. They did not, uh, by the way, got a quick jump in the comment thread. Half cheetah will view Lincoln. U is an NAI school based in Oakland, California. Hey, now we know guys, uh, part of why I was vague about Lincoln U is because we've been to their, their website and, their athletics website is completely worthless, but Hey, have cheetah will view. Thank you. You've just made the show. Idaho state. Look there. Part of, part of me wants to give some participation points to Idaho state because new coach 50 plus new guys on the roster and the team loses their starting quarterback. But as far as any sort of objective measure, look, the team lost their quarterback. That's, that's obviously got to be a demerit team loses all, all three of their games. None of the games were particularly close either. And I'll forgive FBS losses, although hey, 30 consecutive 31 point losses to Mountain West teams, and then a, a 15 point loss Central Arkansas that until the fourth quarter might as well felt like a 40 point loss. I don't really know what else to, to give Idaho State but an F if you're going to lose all your games, all of them by at least two scores. And look, Hunter Hayes is going to be here for a while. I don't think Hunter Hayes as a passer is really going to turn this team around that well. Maybe in big sky play, we're going to get a little bit better rushing effort. Rayden Hunter is the leading rusher on the team. 42 rushes, 151 yards. That's an average of 3.6. Has not yet met the end zone. Top receiver, Xavier Gullery, 13 receptions, 257 yards, two touchdowns, 19.8 yard average. But I expect that number for Gullery to go down because he doesn't have Vanderwall. Vanderwall is a pretty good big sky quarterback. And uh, Gullery doesn't have Vanderwall for at least five more weeks. So only grade I think Idaho State can possibly have on their have um, on their resume right now is enough. They open up Big Sky play next week at Northern Colorado. If Idaho State's going to pick up any wins this season, they absolutely have to pick up a win this coming week. Which look, that's a perfect transition. The number eleven team, Northern Colorado. Now, the story for Northern Colorado finally changed. Ed McCaffrey finally did something not that dumb. Dylan McCaffrey, his son, who started for a season plus first two games this year, looked unimpressive through all of last season and the first two games this season. He's not starting quarterback anymore. The, pull, the plug has been pulled. Jacob Sermon transferred from, from Central Michigan, a guy who started at Central Michigan. He got the starting nod this week. And kind of in line with how Jacob Sermon has uh, – has been 
at Northern at Northern Colorado. It wasn't incredible. It wasn't uh, a life altering experience for those who watched, but Sermon Sermon did enough. So Northern Colorado beats Lamar. Now Lamar is not a again they're not particularly good FCS team. Northern Colorado already face planted against a terrible Houston Baptist team at home in week one. This week they get to play a pretty damn bad Lamar team. Hold on for the win. Now, Lamar, if you're curious, hey, how does Lamar rank in the FCS? Sagarin has Lamar right now as the number 212 team. The worst team in the big sky in Sagarin is Idaho State at 211. So they're pretty dang close right now. But uh, reference point is Northern Colorado plays a team that's thought of as analytically close to the worst in the big sky. And Northern Colorado comes out with a narrow win. Uh, Jacob Sermon 16 to 28, 218 yards and a touchdown. Hey, no pick. That's good news. Uh, maybe concerning for Northern Colorado. Lamar's 0 and 3. Uh, Lamar is, as already covered, Lamar, not a good football team. Uh, lost by 14 to Abilene Christian, lost by 29 at SMU. And uh, Northern Colorado could not run against Lamar. Uh, that's even with look transfer running back Elijah Dotson, 2019 All Big Sky uh, level talent at Sacramento State at the time, rushes 19 times for 30 yards. Their leading rusher on the day, as far as yardage, David Fari, seven rushes for 41 yards. The longest rush Northern Colorado could break out was 11 yards. And again, they they rushed the ball 36 times. It's not as though Northern Colorado didn't try. Hell, they rushed the ball more than they passed the ball. And Northern Colorado put up 52 total rushing yards uh, in 36 attempts. Now, look, there's you got to actually add probably 17 to that total because Jacob Sermon did uh, did get sacked, lost 17 yards. So fine, we'll add 17 yards to that total, and uh, that's 69 rushing yards over 29 attempts, or sorry, 28 attempts. Still, really not close to good. We're we're in that like two three ish yard per rush range, and this is against a pretty bad team. Uh, receiving Travis, Travis Graham leads away five receptions, 97 yards. He had the touchdown and uh, look, Northern Colorado leads 21, seven heading into the fourth. Looked like Northern Colorado was, was going to give the game away. The bears did not uh, really just not a great offensive game on either end. And Northern look, Northern Colorado is not a great defensive team. Neither is Lamar. Both these teams, total yards under 300. You, UNC, 270 total yards. Lamar, 299 uh, total yards. Game was absolutely marred by it was a turnover fest. Northern Colorado, three giveaways, all fumbles lost. Lamar, four giveaways. They split the difference, two lost fumbles, two interceptions. Uh, overall, this was a matchup of two pretty damn bad FCS teams. Someone had to win. It's Northern Colorado. So Northern Colorado sits at the end of their out-of-conference at one and two. Loss at home against Houston Baptist. Loss at at Mountain West, Wyoming, 33-10. And then a narrow win over Lamar at Lamar. So that's a road win at least. So can't can't give Northern Colorado the F. Really want to. Uh, but I'm going to go with a D plus for Lamar. For, no, Lamar, Jesus. D plus for Northern Colorado. Uh, really want to give a solid D, but... Uh, the reason I have the plus is Northern Colorado has looked like they could be a theoretically almost okay, almost respectable team when Jacob Sermon's in there. I just ran through their stats. This this was not a life-changing kind of thing. But at least Ed McCaffrey pulled the plug. 
at least Ed McCaffrey is going to give the team a chance uh, offensively because, look, defensively, I don't think Northern Colorado is just going to be that great. We already covered some of their basic stats. In the in one full game, uh, pretty close to two full games in terms of snaps, Jacob Sermon sits at 50, 50 completions and 88 attempts. That's 56.8 per completion percentage for 558 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, uh, has been sacked nine times, not completely all his fault, of course. Uh, leading rusher overall is Elijah Dotson, 41 rushes, 121 yards. That's a three three yards per rush average. Uh, maybe concerning, like I said, for Northern Colorado, they just can't run the ball. On the season, longest rush for Northern Colorado is 18 yards. So uh, that's been a theme through the first few weeks. And Northern Colorado just not looking like they can run the ball that well. And look, Northern Colorado can't do much well, but at the very least, hey, they have a win. Idaho State does not have that. And having switched their quarterbacks, Northern Colorado easily should be coming in ahead of Idaho State. They are just covered it. Northern Colorado and Idaho State play in the must-watch game, the, the number one must-watch game of the, of the Big Sky season comes next week when Idaho State travels to Greeley, Colorado. Uh, yeah, mark that on your calendars. We're done talking about the bottom two teams. Number 10, Cal Poly. And uh, Cal Poly, to me, man, this this is where stuff gets maybe a little questionable. Cal Poly, look, they're, they're one and two on the out-of-conference season. So obviously the Mustangs picked up their win last week, narrow win over a really not good Pioneer Conference San Diego team this week. This week, Cal Poly, they're they're traveling to South Dakota. Cal Poly goes down 38 to 21. Now, there is an anomaly because the jury's in. Cal Poly is just a preposterously bad defensive team. Surrenders 560 yards uh, to South Dakota. This is a South Dakota team that, though South Dakota had a very rough opening first two games at Kansas State, at Montana, in those eight quarters, the Coyotes put up seven total points. So this is not to say that South Dakota is an awful team because I don't think they are, but uh, let's just say they had not been lighting the world on fire offensively. Well, go, go play Cal Poly. It'll, it's going to cure all that. Now, different, different for Cal Poly. They can certainly pass the ball. And the, this game, we saw two Cal Poly quarterbacks uh, starting, starting quarterback freshman Jaden Jones, who's a dual threat. It looked pretty damn good through his first two weeks. I mean, he was the big sky conference offensive player of the week in week two. He leaves early three of five for 59 yards. So look, he, he was able to move last year's starting quarterback, Spencer Brash. He's a transfer from Cal who got beat out by Jaden Jones. He comes in, he's 24, 42, 362 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. So look, Cal Poly can, they can move the ball through the air. Can Cal Poly rush? Well, previously, it looked like the team could not. The Mustangs had their best output on the ground this week, rushing 26 times for 138 yards, led by uh, Shakobi Harper, 11 rushes for 106 yards. He had a long 40. Heading into this game, Jaden Jones had been the only real rushing threat for Cal Poly, and he went out early, so at least someone stepped up. Uh, but look, the Mustangs were down 21-7 at the end of the first half. Uh, obviously, they lost 38-21. to 21, So look, they made up three total points. Cal Poly did shut the uh, Coyotes out for the second and third quarter. So hey, moral victory, except uh, not some moral victory. Cal Poly was also shut out for those two quarters. So anyway, that's the Cal that's the game for Cal Poly. Grade for Cal Poly. Look, it's got it has to be somewhere in that northern Colorado realm. 
I'm gonna go with I'll go, I'm gonna go with just a straight a straight D. I probably should have Colorado, Northern Colorado later. No, the slight better rating for Northern Colorado you'll see in a second. Cal Poly is one and two. They were supposed to get their ass kicked by Fresno State. They did. They were supposed to convincingly beat San Diego at home. And Northern Colorado had to have a very late comeback to beat San Diego 28-27. And then, look, everyone was right in projecting a loss here. So has anything happened that was not supposed to happen for Cal Poly? Oh, kind of. Almost lost to San Diego. Good news that you'd say is Cal Poly can certainly move the ball through the air for sure. Now, we finally had one good game on the ground. Couple in the previous two games, Cal Poly had on the defensive side looks like they just cannot guard anyone in the secondary. Well, that certainly did not change today, where South Dakota goes 18 to 21 for 355 yards through the air. Okay, so obviously Cal Poly cannot cannot guard the the pass at all. That's been a feature of all three games. Now. Cal Poly, who had looked, especially against Fresno State, Cal Poly's front seven looked like they might be surprisingly tough for a bad th- for a bad team. That's looking like it might not be the case. I gave up 205 yards on 40 rushes from South Dakota. That's a 5.1 average. So uh, overall grade, we're going to go to Cal Poly is a D. Yes, they have some promising things relative to last season, but hey, we're not doing this extreme curve where like every team gets a moral victory and no team gets to be worse than C. Cal Poly is a D. They're clearly not very good, but they're the type of team that because they can move the ball, if they catch an okay Big Sky team on a shitty week, there's a chance of an upset. Uh, Cal Poly is also on a bye this week. So after three after out of conference, they get that week one in Big Sky play bye. And then they're just running for the rest of the season. I'm going to guess most teams would not want a, a week one in Big Sky play by, but hey, if Jane Jones, maybe that extra week will matter in him getting healthy. Coming in at number nine, uh, we have Portland State. Portland State was on by this week, so uh, nothing changed. Already covered. Portland State has one more out of conference game that's going to take place uh, at home against Lincoln, who, based off our crack research team, uh, that's an NAIA school. So Portland State, overall grade, they sit at 0-2. They're probably supposed to be 0-2 in that Portland State almost upset San Jose State in week one. Then they get killed by University of Washington in uh, in week two. San Jose State score was a 21-17 loss in which Portland State led late. Washington 52-6. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. I'm going to give Portland a D plus D plus because I don't care about their future NAIA NAIA win. They're going to get it. Um, There aren't a ton of, of great takeaways yet. Although Portland state did look solid in that first week, I guess positive thing is a quarterback new starter, Dante Sachery. looks like he's good enough in replacing Dave Davis Alexander through two games. He's 30 for 54, 320 yards, 55.6% 55.6% completion percentage, but only 5.9 yards per attempt. So he can move the ball, and but this also could be a little bit um, exaggerated, the average based off of two games and one being you know that decimation at University of Washington. Two touchdowns, two picks. Looks like he's good enough. So look, I'm going to rewrite this. No, Portland State, they're C-. minus. The answer to the question about what they're going to do at quarterback, Sash Ray is good enough. On the defensive side of the ball, Portland State looks like they have some of the pieces to be pretty solid. We know they've got the one of if he 
if he's not the best cornerback in the league, he's one of them and Anthony Adams. Uh, but this is also a team that has looked uh, surprisingly solid uh, in their front seven. Uh, for example, linebacker Parker McKenna has certainly had an impact uh, in week one against San Jose State. Uh, also, this is a team that has a lot of a lot of veteran relative to college returners. Also, you know, defensive tackle VJ Mallow, another solid big sky contributor on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the you know the demerits here, Portland State will pick up no wins that matter whatsoever because I don't care about them beating Lincoln. San Jose State was a game Portland State could have and should have put away, but Portland State gave that game away with turnovers. Good teams have this tendency to not piss away games they lead late with turnovers. So uh, those are the demerits for Portland State. Uh, they're still being led receiving room by Bo Kelly. He's got 150 receiving yards across two games. But again, those some of those averages on the offensive side of the ball are going to rebound in not too long. Uh, this week, Portland State, they're going to travel to Missoula for week one of Big Sky play. So I guess if there was anything promising about the San Jose State game that is real, we're going to see a little bit of it at Montana. But uh, look, Portland State said a C minus because they're uh, it's, they're a little under they're un, they have things that look positive, like I said, but they're also underwhelming. They also pissed away a what should have been a win. Done talking about Portland State, number eight. Eastern Washington, another team on by, another team that has one more out of conference game remaining when next week they uh Eastern Washington's going to host um at number 20 Florida. And the, I say they're on by this week Eastern didn't play anyone for the coming week that you would be paying attention to on September 24th Eastern Washington will open Big Sky Commerce play with Montana State. So Eastern even though They've only played the two games. We know they're going to lose at Florida. So their out-of-conference schedule overall is going to be one and two. I'm going to give Eastern a C plus. Now, Eastern gets a C plus to me because first they pick up an FCS win in week one at home against Tennessee State. Yes, they got killed at Oregon State at, at Oregon. I don't care. Uh, what Eastern answered in their week one and also a little bit of the week week two game. Uh, is how would Gunnar Talkington do replacing Eric Berrier against FCS competition? Gunnar Talkington looked great, was the Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Week in Week 1. On the season, he's 41-67. and 67. That's 60, 61% completion percentage for 435 yards. He has a long 41. He's thrown seven touchdowns and two picks. Yeah, he got sacked three times, but he played Oregon, so whatever. Uh, Talkington also leads Eastern in yards on the ground, 17 rushing attempts for 82 yards. And keep in mind, he got sacked three times as well. So that, that took some total yards off what Talkington amassed on the ground. His longest rush of 22 is Eastern's longest rush of the season. Uh, receiving room. We knew Freddie Roberson. We knew Efton Chisholm the third. We're going to be good. They're all big sky level talents. Well, they've just, they've stepped up and they are the next top two Eastern receivers are the next next Eastern receivers that you're probably going to see on all big sky team. Roberson is their overall receiving leader, nine catches for 124 yards. That's a 13.8 average with a touchdown. Efton Chisholm also has nine catches, 72 yards, but he has two touchdowns. Now the demerits for Eastern would be look at this team. The overall stats are skewed because of the university of Oregon games. So I'm not, not going to talk about overall team defensive stats, but look, week one against Tennessee State, it was pretty clear. Eastern Washington cannot defend the run. Uh, nothing that happened at Oregon should really matter. But look, they certainly didn't change anyone's mind with how that Oregon game went. So Eastern, 
They've got a they have a murderous murderous schedule to start the season. We covered it last week. They might not not have a win on their schedule until halfway through October, with how their how their early conference season runs, and also the fact that they still have Florida. And uh, look to run that by you guys. Saturday this Saturday, Eastern host Montana State. Next Saturday they're at Florida. The next Saturday they're at Weber, and the next Saturday that's October fifteenth. They're hosting Sacramento State. So I, I was wrong. The first win on their schedule might be Cal, very likely is Cal Poly on October 22nd. That's a long way to go. But keep in mind, even though Eastern's going to rack up some L's, this is not this is not a terrible team. They've answered some questions. And they're honestly at this team looks like the what a stereotypical version of Eastern would be from someone who does not pay attention to the Big Sky Conference and just knows how Eastern had been some seasons. This is a very strong offensive team. They can move the ball through the air. Can't really move the ball on the ground yet. Look, we've heard about these promising running backs, but thus far, uh, we're going to have to wait and see if Gunner, Ta- if Gunner Talkington's their leading rusher. But they're going to move the ball through the air. They've got talent at the receiver. Gunner Talkington's clearly good enough to be, a, at worst, a solid big sky quarterback playing for Eastern. I don't know if he'd be able to do this playing somewhere else, but he's doing fine. So uh, Eastern overall, as I said, I think think it just said C plus. Yeah, Eastern gets a C plus. Moving on, number seven, we're at Northern Arizona, and Northern Arizona had kind of a prove it week this week. They uh, they hosted North Dakota. This is after week two. Northern Arizona upset Sam Houston ten to three, and Northern Arizona both did and did not prove anything. Uh, the Lumberjacks go down. 27 to 24 against North Dakota. But look, North Dakota is a solid football team. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference team, North Dakota, they're two and one now. They have wins over Northern Iowa, Northern Arizona. So I guess North Dakota needs to always play uh, Northern directional teams. But in the first two games this season, so eight quarters, Northern Arizona scores 13 total points. RJ Martinez, and look right off one game because it's against Pac-12 Arizona State, but RJ Martinez certainly did not look good in week two in the Lumberjacks win over Sam Houston. Well, the guy we saw this week against North Dakota from RJ Martinez is a little bit more in line with what I think people expected on the season. He has 33 of 47 for 324 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Also rushes nine times for 29 yards. So he certainly contributed both both through the air on the ground. Uh, Sophomore running back Kevin Daniels led the big sky in 2021 in conference rushing yards during conference season. Uh, A little more productive this week. Eight eight rushes for 54 yards. Gets a touchdown. He's been slow starting as well. Well, The issue here for for Northern Arizona is uh, really – Two, two big quarters. Northern Arizona pitches a shutout in the first quarter and third quarter, but they give up. They get outscored 13-7 in the second, then 14-10 in the fourth. Uh, those two big, those two big-ish quarters were really all, really all that uh, Northern Arizona could could handle. Because obviously, obviously they lost. And this is a game that the Lumberjacks are going to think they certainly should have won. They outgained North Dakota 448 to- total yards to 318 total yards. Only lot the Lumberjacks only lost one turnover. They did not force any turnovers from North Dakota, but significantly outgained the Fighting Hawks. Just obviously the Lumberjacks didn't come away with a win. That uh, that gives the Lumberjacks on the season their one and two overall grade. I'm going to give Northern Arizona a solid C. 
easily could have been a B had they held on. Uh, might have even been A had they held on against North Dakota. But because because of losing at losing at home against North Dakota, because there's still some offensive questions so far. Uh, Northern Arizona. No, I'll redo that. They're, they're a C plus, not a B. They're not a B minus. They need another win to get to a B minus. But the Sam Houston win was good. Hanging with North Dakota is good. But this was a game certainly that North Dakota, that Northern Arizona should have been able to walk away with the win. Uh, on the season right now, RJ Martinez leads the teams in passing 630 yards, 78 of 116 for 67%. Uh, two touchdowns, four picks. Only he, RJ Martinez threw one total pick in Big Sky play last year. We all, everyone knew that wasn't going to hold, but a uh, two to four touchdown to interception ratio. Even though uh, Northern Arizona did have a pretty rough out of conference schedule, they still played two FCS teams. You'd expect that if RJ Martinez is going to be good, opening number should be better than that. He's also averaging 5.4 yards per pass. That is uh, not that far from that Dylan McCaffrey Mendoza line of 4.9 yards per attempt or five yards per attempt. Expect him. I expect that he's going to start to look a little bit more in big sky play like he did in week three against North Dakota, but Hey, he hasn't quite done it yet. I referenced Kevin Daniels running back 36 rushes for 113 yards on the season. That's a 3.3.1 yards per rush average. Uh, again, not what you'd expect for a guy who, was a significant significant contributor in Big Sky play last season. Uh, top receiver right now is Coleman Owen. 20 receptions, 225 yards, a long of 52. He's got two touchdowns. There's a there is some certainly some talent in the receiving room for Northern Arizona. Look, they have two other receivers with more than 15 catches. That's Jamal Glassby, 17 catches for 155 yards, and the what seems like veteran Hendricks Johnson, 16 receptions, 154 yards. So, look, there's certainly some talent in Northern Arizona. This week, Northern Arizona hosts University of Idaho, a team that pr looks pretty damn close in terms of overall talent, in terms of output, uh, conference grade, full disclosure. They're not going to be the same, but that's going to be a big – look, that's a huge game for Northern Arizona. We'll talk about the Idaho end when we talk about Idaho. But for NAU, coming off a good FCS win and what could have been a second consecutive good FCS win – uh, Northern Northern Arizona probably feels like they're a team that should be in the top half of the conference, but perception-wise is not yet in the top half of the conference. A win against a team like Idaho that's looked strong in the out-of-conference, uh, that that could signal to everyone, the big sky, that look, Chris Ball has turned NAU around. They've been around 500 for the last couple seasons. If, if NAU is going to take a step, this is the season they probably need to. And a win at Idaho would let the would let the uh, conference know essentially, hey, NAU is is not not the team that you thought they've been the last couple of years. Those two competitive FCS games really did matter, and they're the most recent ones indicative of who they are. But we're going to see number six. And taking a quick brief before we talk about number sixteen, uh, we got to just talk, uh, got to run through the comment section a little little bit. Uh, we've got one of our favorite, Patrick Furks. He uh, He's jumping in in defense of Eastern. He says he gave Eastern a B. I think I said C plus. So like, you know, we're in the C plus B range, Patty. Um, not not too much difference between us. I I'm just saying. Look, I know they're going to lose their next out of conference game, and yeah, like they're supposed to. The schedule tells us they're supposed to, but they're going to have two losses. And it's look, Oregon is a good football team, but 
Eastern got decimated against Oregon. So you like, you wouldn't watch that game and say, Hey, this is who Eastern is, but you also wouldn't say, look, I saw Eastern play Oregon. They look tough. I bet that's going to matter in pick sky play. Also half cheetah will view says I see Sac state beating Colorado state. We're going to get to that in not too long. Cause we're not that far from talking about Sacramento state. We're still a little bit of ways away. And, uh, one of my favorite comments we have Patty again, he says he gives NAU a B plus. Yeah. I mean, look, there's an argument there, but I, they look, they would need to get a win for me to get to that B plus or a range. They didn't pick up the win. They got one win. They should have picked up two, but Hey, just like the Portland state, you have a game. You should, you should win, but you lose. Well, most good teams don't face plan away team games. They should win. Or most teams don't lose games where they out. Most good teams do not lose games where they outgain the opposition by almost 150 yards. But anyway, thanks for everyone contributing in the comment thread. I'm going to jump back into the power ranking. We're at number six, UC Davis. Uh, UC Davis to me is one of the tougher teams to even pretend to try to pick in conference. They pick up a convincing win, 43 to 13 against San Diego. That's at Davis. Now, that's the type of score Cal Poly should have been expecting to beat San Diego by, which is why I was fine giving, saying Cal Poly's grade is not particularly great. Uh, UC Davis, on the other hand, beats the Pioneer Conference team by 30 because that's what Pioneer Conference games are for for Big Sky schools. Quarterback Miles Hastings goes 16-21 to 21 for 270 yards, three touchdowns, second consecutive strong game out of Hastings. Uh, looked good last week in South Dakota State, and honestly, that game matters much more than looking good against San Diego because San Diego is not a good football team. Elonzo Gilliam rushes 12 times for 106 yards and one touchdown, as well as a long up 44. We also picked up uh, – Davis picked up 35 yards from Lan Larison and uh, 22 yards from their uh, kind of do-it-all uh, slash type of player, uh, top – Trent Tompkins, three carries, 22 yards. But he picks up two touchdowns. Uh, if your team is playing UC Davis, Trent Tompkins is not going to get a gigantic amount of touches, but he is certainly a name to keep your eyes on because his plays typically can be exciting. I mean, he's he's their do-it-all guy. He, he takes snaps under quarterback at times. He can catch. He has short rushes. We're done talking about Trent, Trent Tompkins. Uh, team stats in this game, again, it's a blowout, although Davis only – well, they pick up 475 yards total, which is not only. Uh, it's more that in a 43-13 game, I might have thought there's a bigger yard dis discrepancy between Davis and San Diego. Look, it's still a blowout, but uh, Davis gives up 352 total yards. The split for Davis is 281 yards to the air, 194 on the ground, 31 rushing attempts, 23 passing attempts. Uh, that's pretty normal for a Davis for a Davis game where they – they're going to rush a little bit more than they pass, but uh, the split's going to be 50-50 uh, is the comparison, but probably realistically it's closer to 45-55 in terms of pass rush attempts. Mm -hmm. Davis, on on the out-of-conference season, the Aggies are 1-2. and two. They, have a, they have the win against San Diego. Davis definitely could have pulled off the upset at South Dakota, but but lost 24, 22 in, in week one, Davis was beat pretty convincingly by, by Cal 34 to 13. So overall grade for Davis, this is now look, Patty actually referenced this in the comment section in a different way. I, I'm not exactly clear how to always rate close losses, both power five close losses, like a team we're going to talk about in a second 
or good FCS losses like Davis loses barely to South Dakota State, a very good team, a game that UC Davis could have won. I, at this point, I probably over am going to err on overvaluing the if a Big Sky team looks good against like a Power Five team and loses instead of losing to an FCS team because talent wise, the there should be a talent a talent gap between the Power Five and the FCS. There should be you know less of a talent gap between the top of the FCS and the top ish of the FCS. A good UC Davis team would be considered top ish of the FCS, as in like maybe top twenty five ish. I'm going to give Davis a C plus. You might think I'm grading teams pretty harsh, but look, their their win comes against a really a pretty bad team, and otherwise we have a loss against an FCS team, a good FCS, a good team in the FCS, but still a loss. And Cal, look, I mean Davis is supposed to lose to Cal by a lot, and they did. So C plus, as in look, there's there's the questions that Davis answered. Miles Hastings is looking good enough at quarterback, which to me matters because Miles Hastings certainly did not look particularly good last season for for the Aggies when when he played in relief of Hunter Rodriguez. It's now just the uh, Miles Hastings show. Uh, you know, some overall stats to pay attention to for UC Davis. Like we know they have the running back who you might not call the best running back in the league, but he sure as hell is going to be the most productive running back in the big sky this season. Alonzo Gilliam Jr., 37 rushes, 254 yards on the season. That's a 6.9 yards per rush average, two touchdowns and a long 60. He's also the number one receiving target in terms of overall targets for UC Davis. Gilliam, 18 receptions, 162 yards, no touchdowns. That's a nine-yard average per reception. Pretty damn good for running back. Miles Hastings quarterback is 7,414 for 785 yards, 65% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, three picks. So uh, there's some ways where UC Davis offensively looks like they're pretty solid. Now their overall stats, the first two weeks are not exactly lighting the world on fire, 13 points against Cal, then 22 against South Dakota state. But keep in mind, those are two pretty rough games. Uh, I I think Davis is going to settle somewhere in between what we saw in the South Dakota state game and the San Diego game this week of they're probably going to be a team that averages around 30 ish, but in Dan's hot in the last few seasons, UC Davis has played. They just have not beaten teams by having that scoreboard spinning like an Eastern Washington team Uh, this coming week. UC Davis is going to be uh, a pretty big game for Davis. They are going to be hosting Weber state, a team we're going to be talking about later. Uh, This is a game that obviously UC Davis is not going to be favored in, uh, there's some match. There's some matchups where you can understand why, uh, even though it's at Davis, a lot of people are probably going to pick Weber State. This is maybe another version of a show me game for Davis because, look, if Davis can look against Weber State, kind of like they did against South Dakota State, even if they lose, keep it close. Uh, to me, that's going to say, hey, jury's in. Just like NAU has had a couple solid weeks in, against FCS teams, uh, Davis certainly has solid weeks against FCS teams, but they'll have been tested twice early against very good FCS opponents. And if Davis looks good in both those, uh, that's a team that I would vault to the top. They're still in that mid-tier of the conference, but I would vault them towards the top half. Coming in, number five. Now, based off what I just said about impressive losses, man, this is where we're going to be spending some time on, on Idaho. But Idaho Vandals come in at number five. Vandals pull off their first win of the season, first win of head coach Jason X career, and a 42-14 to 14 win over Drake. That's Pioneer Conference Drake. Uh, now, Drake is not a good football team. Again, Pioneer Conference team, just like San Diego. UC Davis beat the shit out of, out of San Diego like they should. Well, Idaho beat the shit out of Drake like they should. It was a little bit iffy through the first quarter, 7-7, seven to seven, but 
Uh, well, after a seven to seven start, the Vandals outscored Drake 35 to seven the rest of the way and is it's not a particularly close game after there's Drake has two drives, one at the uh, end of the, it took up towards the, the end of the first quarter. And then the second one finished at the beginning of the second quarter, two consecutive touchdown drives for Drake that uh, did have people in Moscow wondering what in God's name is going on. But after that second touchdown, it was all Vandals and that was it. For Idaho, we did have a split quarterback situation. Giovanni McCoy is definitely the starter. He's a redshirt freshman, goes 17 to 23, 190 yards against Drake for a touchdown. But uh, Jack Lane comes in. He could now, and Lane comes in in the second quarter, which reason I bring this up Lane did not play in backup relief. This was a scheduled play for Jack Lane. Expect this to not be the only time Jack Lane is scheduled. Jason Xman cleared that Giovanni McCoy is the starter, but True freshman Jack Lane is a guy that's clearly impressed the coaching staff enough if they're bringing him in in the second quarter when the result is still in doubt. Again, this was not Lane Lane playing in mop-up duty only. This was scheduled to get the dude reps. Lane goes 5 7, 49 yards. Looked pretty impressive too, but also, again, he threw seven total passes. Small sample size, but uh, anyway, Vandal fans should be impressed at this point. Anthony Woods led Idaho again on the ground. He's a true freshman, 11 rushes for 81 yards, a long of 32. Story of the game for Idaho is going to be Jermaine Jackson, who's wide receiver, but he contributed everywhere. Three, three rushes for 70, 72 yards, two catches for 28 yards and a touchdown. He also returned a kick. He returned a punt for a touchdown as well. So, yeah, Jermaine Jackson all over the place. Again, final score, 42-14. to 14. Idaho as a team outgains Drake, 462 yards, 212. Uh, that offensive split is relatively close for the Vandals to what Jason Eck has kind of been preaching. He hasn't set a specific number of what he wants to have Idaho split as far as rushes to passes or passes to rushes. But uh, you can infer or read between the lines that Idaho is going to rush a little bit more than they pass, maybe in the mold of UC Davis in terms of distribution. This game is 30 pass attempts for Idaho, 39 rush attempts. Yardage split was 239 through the air for Idaho, 223 on the ground for the Vandals. Uh, overall in the season, Idaho sits now at one and two. I am going to give them a grade. You want to call, you want to call me a homer here, please call me a homer. I'm going to grade Idaho a little bit higher than a couple teams. I'm going to add a little, I'm going to read maybe more than I should into Idaho's close, really solid FCS, uh, sorry, FBS losses in week one, lost at Washington state, 24, 17 game was in the game was in, uh, was in doubt until 13 seconds left in that game. And then a loss at Indiana, 35, 22, which Idaho led 10 to zero at the end of the first half. Um, going to give the Vandals, going to give them a C plus. Idaho gets a C plus because look, they, they picked up a win. They needed it, but however, it's a, it's a bot win against pioneer conference team. So Idaho should win that game. Uh, but Idaho looks very, looks good against teams who Idaho should be losing to, uh, defensively. Idaho looks much stronger this season than we've seen previously. So that's one of the bigger questions Idaho may, appears to have answered in particular secondary of Idaho is it drastically improved over last season's near worst in the league effort front seven of Idaho has been solid for the last few seasons. And look, that, that team looks to be picking up right where they left off. They're a little bit smaller physically than they had been previous seasons, but uh, still overall output looks like that of a pretty solid big sky team. Although Idaho's certainly got holes uh, in all three games. Idaho hasn't played a complete game in against WSU and Indiana. Um, there were, 
in the middle of the game, Idaho struggled in particular against Indiana, giving up 23 points in the third quarter. Against Drake, it was more the first quarter. It took a first quarter for Idaho to completely wake up, or first quarter plus a little bit into the second quarter. Uh, quarterback situation looks like it's uh, relatively resolved for Idaho uh, with two FBS games. It's hard to read completely into what McCoy's done, but the numbers are sound 51 to 78, 606 yards. That's a 65% completion percentage, 7.8. So he's easily cleared that uh, Dylan McCaffrey Mendoza line of 4.9 or five per, per pass, five touchdowns, two picks has been sacked 10 times. And damn, that's a lot, but we talk, talked about the first two games and Idaho's Idaho's line is certainly not going to be a team's relative strength. Uh, leading rusher is definitely Anthony Woods, freshman, 32 rushes, 181 yards, 5.7 yards per rush. Uh, number two rusher is Rashawn Johnson, redshirt junior. He also has 32 rushes. So you see that time split between the two. But Rashawn Johnson with 98 rushing yards in 32 attempts. Anthony Woods, 181 yards in 32 attempts. Pretty clear who the top guy is. Uh, Jermaine Jackson might be a surprise name in leading the receiving room. Nine receptions, 189 yards on the season, one touchdown. And that's our vandal. So, uh, look, they get a C plus. Offensively, there's still questions, in particular the offensive line. And in those those Power Five games, Idaho had a long time after having good drives in both the WSU and, and Indiana game in the first quarter. There's these long gaps in, in both those games until Idaho is productive again on the offensive side of the ball until the fourth quarter. So, look, Drake, it was kind of the inverse, and Idaho started slow, and then they walked over the Bulldogs for the rest of the way. But look, there, there's some offensive questions for sure, but defensively, Idaho looks a lot stronger. Uh, the, the, we also have a couple holes like offensive line, I think is going to be a real issue for Idaho when they're playing better FCS teams. Huge week coming up for the Vandals this week. They travel to Flagstaff and look, the take on Idaho in this game is similar to the take on Northern Arizona in this game. If the Vandals come away with a win, Idaho is definitely putting the league on notice that, look, this is a clearly top half of the league team and that these impressive power five losses really do mean that the talent in Idaho is improved offensively strategy on both sides of the ball is going to the, the changes on both sides of the ball are going to matter in big sky play. Uh, but a loss will probably have people start to look at those reasonably look at those impressive first two week losses and say, look, okay, they look good, but they still lost the game. Teams lose games because of problems. And look, maybe Idaho's problems are bigger than we thought. Uh, that's to me, honestly, to me, that's the, this, this week's game I'm going to be paying the most attention to, but I host tubs of the club. So of course I am number four, Sacramento state. And uh, man, the Hornets are the first team. I'm going to say who I, man, they got a case to be elsewhere in this list. Sacramento state. They travel to Northern Iowa that's perennial top 25 Northern Iowa, they, who seems to always make the playoffs. It doesn't matter how mediocre Northern Iowa is. But look, they're not a terrible FCS team. They're in the Missouri Valley, and they're competitive in the Missouri Valley. So it's a good team, or at least a, a solid team for an out-of-conference schedule. Sac Sacramento State wins 37-21, to 21, which uh, you'd have to call that a big win for Sacramento State. Look, they have another out-of-conference game this coming this week at Colorado State. So look, I'll talk about that now. They're at Colorado State. That's a Mountain West team. Obviously on paper, you'd call that a loss, but uh, Colorado State might be a little concerned. That's a team that lost an F to uh, South Dakota State last season. 
And like this season, Sacramento State's hit the ground running offensively. 50, they hung over 50 points on Utah Tech in week one. They put 37 up on Northern Iowa. They have that weird quarterback system that is definitely a a planned split of Jake Dunaway. He's a traditional pocket passer. He goes 20 of 33 for 199 yards and a touchdown. The uh, running quarterback who also does short passes, Asher O'Hara, he's seven of eight for 55 yards, no touchdown. Asher O'Hara also rushed 19 times for 66 yards. So like the numbers are not overall like lighting the world on fire there, but rushed for three touchdowns. He, he gets a lot of carries in short yardage situations. Leading rusher on the day for Sacramento State is Cameron Scadaboo, 11 rushes for 110 yards, no touchdowns. But look, that 10 yards per rush number, that might sound like a pretty damn impressive game. Last season in conference, Scadaboo averaged nine yards per carry. That's just kind of what the dude does. Uh, leading receiver, for Sacramento State and Marshall Martin, six receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Last season's all-big sky receiver, Pierre Williams, four receptions, 45 yards. Overall on this game, Sacramento State jumped out to a 17-point lead at halftime. They're up 24-7, to and more or less coast. Northern Iowa makes it interesting in the third quarter, outscoring the Hornets 14-3 to make you that a uh, – 21 to 27 game, but then Sacramento state shuts out Northern Iowa, puts up another 10 in the fourth. And that's all she wrote. We know Troy Taylor teams are good offensively. Well, Sacramento state puts up 424 yards overall against Northern Iowa, a team reputationally. That's kind of a Missouri Valley version of Weber state and that they're strong offensively. They try to keep games lower scoring the split for Sac state, 254 yards to the air, 170 on the ground. The play call split was 38 rushes to 41 pass. That slight skew in favor of uh, pass over rush is not shocking at all for Troy Taylor's teams. Uh, but look, the thing that matters here too, we know Sacramento state can move the ball, but look defensively, this team has been solid. That's part of why Sacramento state has a share or an outright big sky title in the last two normal seasons, including going eight, no last season. Well, Sacramento State forces three turnovers, surrenders zero. That's that's part of how the uh, the Hornets were able to walk away with this convincing win. That look, it did have some drama, but uh, two score win for a big sky a big sky team that travels to a Missouri Valley team, uh, pretty damn good. Sacramento State is two and zero in out of conference play. Even if I I'm going to assume Sacramento State loses their their game at Colorado State just by nature of it being an F FBS matchup. I'm going to give Sacramento stay an a guys might, might be a little higher than, than, than you think, but Sacramento state has acquitted themselves quite well across both, both games. So looking in week one, Sacramento state hosting Utah tech wins 56 to 33. You might say slight defensive questions because Utah tech's not a great team. Well, Northern Iowa was not a terrible team and Sacramento state holds in the 21. It, the Hornets sit at two and zero. Probably going to finish out of conference play at uh, at two and one, but that's two big two wins that are going to count for the playoffs. This is a team that is abs absolutely should be expecting to make the playoffs at this point with two solid FCS wins. That means they only have to pick up five Big Sky wins to get to that seven number that appears to be the magic number for a Big Sky team to make it into the playoffs. Otherwise, look. Sacramento State, they like I said earlier, they've got their quarterback situation settled. Thing to look at in terms of uh, passing distribution. Overall, Jake Dunaway has 58 passing attempts. Asher O'Hara has 15 total passing attempts. Now, Asher O'Hara does have 31 rushing attempts, and 
the overwhelming majority of, of Asher O'Hara's rushes are under center. So that snap distribution is uh, Jake Dunaway with 58 passing attempts. Asher O'Hara has his fingerprints on the game a total of 46 times. So 58 to 46, uh, not reasonable. That's not quite a 50-50 split. But that means you see Sacramento State, you're going to see both guys quite a bit. Cameron Scadaboo leads the way on the ground, 21 rushes, 263 yards. That's 12 and a half yards per rush. Asher Harris, the number two rush on the team, 31 rushes, 167 yards per rush. That's 5.4 yards per rush. Leading receiver is tight end Marcel Martin, 11 receptions, 131 yards, and three touchdowns. Haven't quite seen the production out of Pierre Williams. Would have been expected for an all-big sky level, level receiver. Six receptions, 61 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, but there's a couple of running backs on the team that Troy Taylor uses in the past game. We have the already referenced Cameron Scadaboo, seven receptions, 74 yards. But the other running back, who is a little bit more of their pass catching running back, Marcus Fulcher, 13 receptions, 75 yards. Mostly he gets short, short yard situations. But look, Sacramento State, they've, they've only won so far in out of conference play. It, two wins to the playoffs. That's an A. We're moving on. Uh, Sacramento State already, like I said, Colorado State this week, and then they return to Big Sky play. Number three, Montana State. Montana State, we're barely going to talk about this week, guys. Montana State traveled to Oregon State. Oregon State is a good football, an undefeated football team. Spoiler alert, Montana State did not pick up the upset. The Bobcats go down 68 to 28. So downside, this is one of the games because Montana State is a solid football team that Big Sky fans probably had circled as like, hey, maybe we can get a little bit of an upset here. Uh, obviously that's not the case, not close. Uh, Montana state it's seven, seven at the end of the first quarter. Then Oregon state hangs 27 on Montana state in the second quarter game is clearly over except Oregon state does not get this memo yet. Outscores Bobcats 20 to seven in the third 14, seven in the fourth. So look just a throw ass kicking, but whatever, that's what this game's supposed to be. Tommy Malott, uh, nine passes, Sorry, nine completions and 18 pass attempts, 101 yards, three interceptions. We'll get to that later. Uh, eight, Malott leads the Bobcats rushing 18 rushes for 135 yards. That's an impressive number. Uh, little anomaly, Sean Chambers, fourth or fifth string running back for Montana State because that, like, that's what we're going to get when we talk about any rough marks on their grade. Nine rushes for 35 yards, three touchdowns, but he's about their fourth stringer, so we have some injury issues. Overall in the season, Montana State sits at 2-1. and one. Their out-of-conference play includes killing McNeese State at home, 40-17, killing Moorhead State at home, 63-13, and getting killed by Oregon State on the road, 68-28. So Montana State, one, has only played in blowout games, but they scheduled games. They're supposed to be blowout in both directions, so whatever. That's what happens. Um, overall grade, I'm going to give the Bobcats a B+. Plus. The plus, it, it would be an A because they have the two FCS wins. I'm to give them the plus because the running back injury issue, the, this this could matter, guys. They're at their fourth or fifth string running back. That For a team whose identity is based around around the run, even though we, they have preseason all-big sky quarterback Tommy Mallott, Tommy Mallott is not a guy who's going to pass 30, 40 times a game. He's a guy who's going to pass 20, 25 times a game. This team, is its identity is based off the run. They need someone other than Malat who's going to be a force in big sky play. Yes, they have talented guys because they're Montana State, but we saw it with Montana last season. You get down to fourth or fifth string running backs, they're just not ready to play against the ones because they're fourth or fifth string. They're not supposed to. That could matter for Montana State. Uh, Tommy Malat, though, let's let's talk about how Malat's done. 
he may have he's probably acquitted himself a bit through the air. He's look, he's 36 of 59 on the season, 548 yards, 61% completion percentage. So okay. Malott only had two real effective passing games last season because he only had a chance to have uh, effective passing games about two or three times on the season. So how this guy was going to be as a guy throwing it regularly, real question. And he looks like he's going to be good enough or at least solid and especially solid relative to the threat he is on the ground, which we'll get to as well. Uh, 9.3 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three picks, but Hey, all three picks came against the PAC 12 team. So uh, maybe ignore those overall. A lot as a passer looks like he is maybe better than I expected. He, he would be, but probably right around the level of what big sky voters in the preseason thought when they named him all, all conference preseason quarterback. A lot also leads the team in rushing 39 rushes, 205 yards, 5.3 yards per average and a touchdown. Uh, Sean, Sean Chambers listed as quarterback, but uh, he gets some, he clearly, and I want to say list as quarterback. That's ESPN listing as quarterback. ESPN sometimes screws these things up. Uh, 23 rushes, 185 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, we have not yet seen Isaiah Afonso because of injury. He may, we should see him in October. Fingers crossed if his injury is okay. Uh, leading receiver from Montana State. We've got Robbie Austin set at 10 receptions, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, number two and three receivers. We have tight end Trayton Pickering, seven receptions, 123 yards, and wide receiver Willie Patterson, seven receptions, 120 yards. So uh, overall, look, this. Just ignore the Pac-12 game, guys. Look at the FCS games and look also throw an asterisk against those game those games because those are scheduled wins from Montana State. McNeese State and Moorhead State are not big sky quality teams, but Montana beat the shit out of them. Montana State beat the shit out of them. Uh, look strong defensively in the way they could against these terrible teams. There's no reason to assume Montana State is anything but still a very good big sky conference football team. But running back issues probably matter, and I'm going to mark them a little bit down on the grade because – they don't have wins against anyone who doesn't suck completely. But look, that's Montana State at number three. Number two is, well, I would put it number one, but we're not here to do the bureaucracy of power rankings. Number two, Weber State. Weber State follows up their just an incredible week two win at Utah State where the Wildcats won 35-7, did not surrender an offensive touchdown to the Aggies. They host Utah Tech, a.k.a. former Dixie State, Weber State walks over Dixie State, Utah Tech, whatever the hell, the hell they are. Weber State wins 44-14. to 14. Uh, Bronson Barron quarterback has his best game of the season, 25-33, 368 yards, four touchdowns. On the ground, Josh Davis rushes 15 times for 59 yards. He's their theoretically best running back. But uh, the Wildcats are led on the ground by Damon Bankson, 15 rushes, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Ty McPherson, as always, McPherson's always going to be the top receiving target for Weber State. He's clearly the guy who's taken over the uh, Rashid Shahid kind of role on the team as far as at least catching catch passes. He's He has six receptions for 140 yards, and he catches three of Bronson Barron's four touchdowns. Overall team stats, look, we this is why I'm, I would call Weber State number two is – the stereotypical Weber State team is they can't, they great defensively and they cannot score. Weber State has cycled through a handful of offensive coordinators. And look, we have a new dude. This looks like, this looks like a winner, guys. Weber State puts up 623 yards on Utah Tech. 
Hey, let's uh, do a quick reference because Utah Tech is now 0-2 in Big Sky play. Utah Tech against uh, Sacramento State in week one. They give up 589 yards. So, hey, maybe Utah Tech is just a catastrophically terrible defensive team. But Weber State looked as good offensively against Utah Tech, actually a little bit better than Sacramento State did. So, look, League, you got you might be on notice that this is a different animal out of Weber State. They're 3-0. Yeah, they have a D2 win against Western Oregon, so I don't care. But they have the single best out-of-conference win in Big Sky play with that win over Utah State. So, Weber State, look, they, they have an A. They would be – if A-plus has existed, Weber State would have an A-plus. To, to me, this is clearly – even though, look, the D2 game sucks, throw it out the window – this is the most impressive two games the Big Sky has right now. And look, there's another team we haven't talked about that looks pretty damn good. But uh, Weber State, stat-wise, overall, look, in against Utah Tech, it's a blowout, so maybe throw this out the window. But they're, uh, they rush 43 times past 36 times. That's a number that I bet a lot of Wildcat fans are going to say I am fine living with that. Someday I'll look up whoever the new – Offensive coordinators for Weber State. Uh, Bronson Barron, starting quarterback, he's 52 of 83 for 722 yards, uh, 8.7 yards per yards per attempt, six touchdowns, three picks. Three picks all came against U- against Utah State. So look at if he, in the one game he in his worst outing, you might say it was against the best team Weber played or may, might even play on the season, and still Barron looks solid overall mm-hmm. on the ground. This is clearly a timeshare in the running back room where the top the, – the, look, the attempt split is 43 attempts for Damon Banks and 44 for Josh Davis. They're relatively close in terms of productivity. Banks in 256 yards, Davis 206, uh, that which puts Banks in at uh, six yards per carry, Davis at 4.7, both have two touchdowns. Receiving room – Again, uh, Ty McPherson is the is top receiver on the team. Ten receptions, two hundred forty-three yards, and uh, five touchdowns. However, don't sleep on Jacob Sharp. Thirteen receptions on the season, two hundred forty-six yards, and a touchdown. So, look again. Takeaway: Weber State, they're an A. The the Wildcats, they they travel to UC Davis. This is a game that I think brain dead. You'd have to pick. You'd have to favor Weber State right now because re- just compare the resumes. I don't care who home who the home team is right now. Weber State has a more impressive resume than UC Davis. So look, pay attention to that though, because look, if Weber if Weber State beats the shit out of UC Davis, uh, I I think pe- people across the nation are going to start taking notice of Weber State, not just as a threat to win the Big Sky, but a Final Four in the nation type of threat. And look, we have one team left. It's been the same team that's been top of the power rankings every single week. University of Montana. They're, look, they're out of conference grade. Spoiler alert, it's an A. The Grizz are 3-0. and This week, they they traveled to Indiana State, Terre Haute, a.k.a. home of the only federal penitentiary where executions are allowed to take place. And there's a different execution of sorts that took place this week. Montana wins 49-14. to uh, Grizz looked a little shaky early. Grizz scored quick, then immediately gave up a nut, a touchdown uh, to make it seven to seven. But um, look, it was forty nine to fourteen. So sure, it started out seven to seven, but from that point on, Grizz rolled. Nothing really happened for Indiana State till late touchdown to make it forty nine to fourteen. But uh, on the uh, leading passer, 
for this game is the same. Is look, Montana has a solid quarterback. The jury is in. Lucas Johnson rush passes for 232 yards. He's been a solid game manager type of passer. I mean, I don't mean that in a euphemistic sense. I mean that in the sense that uh, Lucas Johnson doesn't look like a guy Bobby Houck wants to pass for, you know, 400 yards or something like that. He's been pretty steady each week, throwing for around 200-ish, which is what we just saw against uh, South Dakota, against Indiana State. But Johnson's a threat on the ground as well as through the air. Johnson's their leading rusher, 25 rushing attempts for 155 yards, three touchdowns, 6.2 yards per rush average through the air on the season. He's 65 of 82 for 620 yards, completes two out of every three passes, eight touchdowns, one pick. Honestly, he's a tough guy. He makes good decisions. He seems like the ideal Bobby Hawk quarterback. Uh, running back after Lucas Johnson, who, again, I know he's not the running back, but he's a top rusher. Uh, not exactly clear what Montana is going to land on. We have a little bit of a, a three-way timeshare. Nick Osmos rushed 26 times for 128 yards. Xavier Harris, 23 rushes for 114. Marcus Knight, back for all big sky back in 2019, missed 2021 with injury. Uh, he's got 17 rushes for, rushes for 78 yards and a touchdown. He's had moments where he looks like he might be back, but uh, I think we're still going to need a few more weeks for Montana to sort out uh, what they're doing on the ground. In the receiving room, Mitch Roberts, top target, 12 receptions, 175 yards, two touchdowns. But uh, Junior Bergen, back to his natural position of slot, looking looking, looking like a contributor, nine receptions, 150, 115 yards, three touchdowns. But look, Montana has just a wealth a wealth of um, wealth of talent in the receiving room. Uh, Cole Grossman, tight end, he's an impact player, six receptions, 114 yards. We've got Aaron Fontes, 11 receptions at, for 110 yards. Malik Flowers is the best kick return of the big sky who no one will ever kick to. He's got six catches for 100 yards. There's a lot of weapons in that room for Lucas Johnson to use. And a, look, a lot of those matchups in big sky play, there's not many teams. I just ran through four or five tight end wide receiving, wide receiver uh, threats. Not a lot of teams are going to be able to do much to match up there off defensively. And the Grizz... Look, we got to talk about what Montana's done in 12 quarters. All, all 12 quarters are against FCS teams. The Grizz have given up a total of 21 points. And those 21 points, they came to South Dakota, that's Missouri Valley team, and Indiana State, that's another Missouri Valley team. So look, the Grizz, defensively, they're one of the – if they're not the best defense in the big sky, they are right around there. They're led by Patrick O'Connell. He was preseason defensive player of the year, linebacker, 14, 18 total tackles, including uh, four solo. Uh, look, we also have Marcus Wellnell. He's he's an impact player in the big sky. He's, he's one of the other linebackers. He's got 14 tackles on the season. We have Justin Ford. To me, he's probably one of the best, if he's not the best cornerback. He's like Anthony Adams for Portland State. The, the, the question of who's the best corner in the big sky is, are we talking Anthony Adams or are we talking Justin Ford? I'm not clear which of those two is the best. I am clear that the best is probably going to be one of those. They've also got a, the other corner position. They've got Cor they've got Corbin Walker. He's a solid big, solid big sky player. It just doesn't matter really where you look, Monte on the defensive side for Montana, there's essentially nothing but talent uh, offensive side. They look like they're a lot better than they were last season. 
So look, the Grizz come in at number one. They get an A, of course. You're splitting hairs right now between do you what you like on Weber State or Montana in terms of who you should rate higher in the power rankings. But to me, for both Weber State and Montana, there is no question. The only those two teams can only be slotted as one and two or two and one. That's this week's power rankings. Oh, but already covered Montana. They they host Portland State for week one. Uh, expect this to be a Montana seems like they make a statement game every single week so far, just like Weber state has in the last two weeks of their statement is they're pretty damn talented. They're effective on both sides of the ball. Uh, doesn't mean Montana is of course, uh, you know, without, without issue. Um, Indiana state actually rushed relatively well against Montana early, but clearly the girls rectified that uh, to an extent. So look, Thank you for joining. This uh, this episode is brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river, no return, the salmon river canyons are the selway, and you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed meteor shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trail spot, wildlife soaking beautiful natural hot springs take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of the river in the country you just bring it close let hre handle the rest hughes river expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime what are you waiting for find out what's like to grab paddle catch dinner and ride the bull all throughout the gem state call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at hughesriver.com thanks everyone for joining going to jump in the comment section really quick uh we have che- have Cheetah will travel. Said Grizz have a doughy schedule. Well, they had a doughy-ish out of conference schedule, but they picked up two Missouri Valley wins, so it looked like at least a good Missouri Valley team. Uh, Jalen Drake says we were so nice this year. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign on that. Uh, have Cheetah will will view brings up okay. The Grizz have Portland State, and Idaho State. Well, yeah, but Patty Firk's answer is right below that. Uh, Portland State's protected rival now of Montana. So we will always see that Portland State game. Uh, for everyone who jumped in the comment thread, thank you. Uh, make sure to listen listen to this each week. It always drops Sunday night. You want to hear more about the Vandals, check out Tubbs at the club. Uh, and with that, we're going to call it a night. Thank you and tune in next week. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job. So raise your glass and have a drink with me.